Hey, my name is Jay Warner Wallace, and I'm the author of Cold Case Christianity. I, I gotta tell you, if you're listening to this radio, you know you're in a good place, and I cannot endorse more highly the intellect and the passion of your host. So just enjoy this radio program. Is he a real one? Radio is the real thing. And Veda, thank you so much for doing the most important work of the kingdom. Hey, this is Greg Kokel, author of Tactics, a Game Plan for Discussing Your Christian Convictions and the story of reality, how the world began, how it ends, and everything important that happens in between. And you're listening to, is he a real one? Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Veda, Veda Real MC. Is he a real one? Radio. And I'm here with a very special guest on today, y'all. I'm here with a very special guest. It's my man, Michael, from Inspiring Philosophy. How are you doing, champion? Good. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. I'm blessed, my brother. I'm blessed, man. You know, I know we were talking offline about how busy we all are, not just with studying, but with work and life and everything. So, you know, it's out here staying active. Now, you can give us some more, some specific addresses on how we can follow you, but I really want to encourage everybody to follow you and check out your YouTube page. It's Inspiring Philosophy. Michael goes really deep into a bunch of stuff. On, on this particular episode, we're talking about uh, the history of Christmas, uh, allegedly being pagan. I know Christmas has already passed, but this is going to come up every single year. So I figure, why wait until November, December of 2019? Let's just do this right now so we can live on the internet. And he has a video on his page about this topic and about other stuff. And also, he actually did another interview with, with our boy Vocat Malone. They covered the scriptural objections that comes with Christmas allegedly being pagan. Today, Michael and I are going to discuss more of the historical side and and of course you can always check out this youtube page and we'll do this again at the end but michael you want us you want to tell us sure yeah so i run the uh, youtube channel inspiring philosophy mostly what i do is uh, arguments for god's existence or defending the scriptures i have a whole series on the resurrection or new testament reliability and um i do have a couple of videos on the origins of some holidays it's kind of like a, a side quest of mine i kind of got interested in it uh, through various debates online, because uh, I was sick and tired of people telling me that I couldn't celebrate Christmas because it came from a pagan holiday. Hmm. And I was like, well, that's a really dumb argument. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what, what, is pag what is so evil about decorating a pine tree once a year, even wow. if a pagan did it in the past? <laughs> so right. I, I originally started out by saying, well, obviously Christmas is pagan. Everyone knows that. But I'm going to make a couple of videos explaining why that's, it's still not sinful. But then, in my research, I, I found there was just no evidence. Christmas, Easter, Halloween, or even Valentine's Day, none of them are pagan. So, yeah, that's kind of how I got started into this subject. Now, now before we, get to the, before we get to those specifics, you know, I heard you make a point before, you know, about, you know, how we may have, you know, our parents who are deceased hanging up in our house or in our office, our grandparents hanging up in our house how there are pagans who used to worship their ancestors and are we are you saying that we can't uh that we can't hang up pictures of our grandparents or our deceased relatives you know who we still love and miss you know because pagans right. for a completely different reason like we're not even doing it for the same reason exactly it's it's this the entire argument starts to fall apart when you start to compare christmas traditions to other traditions because Pagans do put up, to this day, still put up pictures of their ancestors and venerate and worship them, in, especially in Eastern cultures. 
So when I put up a picture of my grandparents or you know, that are deceased, am I worshiping them like pagans? Because I'm doing as the pagans do. The difference is intent, okay? It's all about the intent. When I put up a Christmas tree and I put presents under it, I'm not bowing to the fir tree. Likewise, when someone who doesn't celebrate Christmas because they think it's pagan and evil put up pictures of their, their grandparents or ancestors, they're not worshiping their ancestors. So let's just use a little common sense here. A lot of the people who say you can't celebrate Christmas because maybe it used to be pagan, don't, don't apply critical thinking. They really don't. It's unfortunate. But every time I get in conversation with them, the same ridiculous and quite frankly, stupid objections come up. Yeah, you know, and I want to get into the specifics, you know, like the Festival of Vermilia and the other things like that. But before we get there, before we get there, I kind of wanted to, I, I kind of wanted to ask you about, you know, like the six-pointed star, you know, that that's often used in Judaism or the nation mm -hmm. of Israel, you know. Now, I have an understanding, and I even heard you say this before, that 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 may have been used in like Egyptian sorcery. So that would be another thing. And the reason why I point that out, people, if you're listening, the reason why I point that out is because not only is it a, a really whack and a really whack and thoughtless argument, in my opinion, but also I think that people who make that argument when it comes to Christmas and Easter specifically, you know, are picking and choosing when to apply these rules you know so we obviously just use the analogy with the you know with the worship of ancestors but also when it comes to things like the six point star who we're about to hear michael elaborate on we don't hear that necessarily being attacked it seems like christmas and easter is only being attacked you know uh, for the most part at least but but michael can you tell us about uh, can you tell us about that symbol that's often used and it and it possibly had been used uh, in Egyptian sorcery and paganism? Of course. I mean, we have found six-pointed stars that look similar to the Jewish six-pointed star in Egypt. I mean, that's not even controversial. Right. So the, the idea that, oh, no, the, the, the flag of Israel is therefore evil and pagan would be a ridiculous notion. It doesn't mean the same thing to the Jews as it did to the Egyptians. Now, there are some people that say, oh, it is evil. It's just, that's just evidence that the Jews are these evil Illuminati controlling people. I mean, haven't you read the, uh, haven't you read the, the protocols of the elders of Zion, which is a forged crappy document, <laughs> but yeah, there, but I'll do you one better. Um, wedding rings, Egyptian, they date back to ancient Egypt. Uh, they thought that the, um, this, first of all, the ring is an eternity for, uh, is a symbol, Egyptian eternity, uh, eternity symbol. And they also thought there was a special vein that went from this finger all the way to the heart, which they thought was the seat of the emotions. So every time you put on a wedding ring, you're putting on an, an Egyptian pagan symbol. Circumcision existed. <laughs> yeah. Circumcision existed in ancient Egypt long before Abraham was even born. It, so, so what? It didn't mean the same thing to Abraham and to God that it did to the Egyptians. So yeah, the six-pointed star, even, uh, even tabernacles. In the old kingdom of Egypt, they had tabernacles as part of their religious ceremony. Does that mean the Jewish tabernacle, the tabernacle of Yahweh that held the Ark of the Covenant is evil? Of course not. That, that's a ridiculous argument. It meant different things to different people. So just because a pagan may have touched something once, that doesn't automatically make it evil. If that was the case, throw a wedding ring, six-pointed stars, I mean, parts of the Bible that mention tabernacles. It's, it's, again, it, people that argue this, that you can't celebrate Christmas because it may have been pagan, even though there's no evidence it was, don't apply critical thinking. 
Because if you, they did, their argument would just fall apart when they start comparing it to other examples in history. Wow. You know, you know, you know what else I think about before we get to the specifics of the festivals that are allegedly on December 25th? You know, I often, I often think about how they say, okay, well, we don't know for sure when Jesus was actually born and, and all of this stuff. And, and it's like, okay, well, why would we celebrate on this day? It's almost like, like your birthday. Like your birthday could have been this week on Tuesday or Wednesday, but you might not have a party or a dinner until, until Friday or Saturday or Sunday of that weekend because it's that weekend and your family and friends may not be available until Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, even though your birthday was actually on Wednesday. But the purpose of that gathering or that party is to celebrate your birthday. And people do that all the time. <laughs> like, right. You know, I, I want to I wanna read something because I heard you go over this really quick, if you don't mind. I'm about to read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 25 through 28. And I would just like you to give us some exegesis on how that demonstrates how it's okay for us to do things for the love of Christ in our heart, even if it, and of course, we're about to get to how there's not even any evidence that it has pagan origins, but even if it did, further to the points that we've already just kind of just freestyled and discussed, even based on scripture, we see that God's inspired word, you know, allows us to celebrate Christ and things like this. So I'm about to read, I'm reading 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 25 through 28. Word of God says, for, and I'm reading the ESV, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, the son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Now, can you tell me, t tell me what you're hearing as it relates to this conversation, Michael? Right. I think, actually, Paul is alluding to the Tower of Babel incident to begin with. Uh, this is when God divorces the nations for sin, pushes them away. But then in Acts at Pentecost, that's the call to go back out and bring the nations back to God. Now the Great Commission can begin bring back the nation. So God is going to put all things under himself. All things will be subject to him. That includes all peoples. That includes the whole planet. That includes the whole cosmos. Every knee shall bow. That includes every tree and every mountain, every custom, everything will be used to honor God eventually. Mm -hmm. So just because a pagan may have worshiped a tree, just because a pagan may have worshiped a mountain at some point, that will all be subject to God. There will be no one that will be outside of this thing. So just because a pagan may be using something now to honor their pagan gods, that doesn't mean God cannot cleanse that and use that for him. As long as it's not sinful or erotic or anything that clearly would not benefit the kingdom, it will be subject to him. So Christmas itself will be subject to God. Even though people today have turned it into a very materialistic, selfish, greedy holiday, Christmas will be subject to God and will be brought back to its true meaning which is honoring the incarnation. So that's what we need to do as Christians. We need to go out and subjugate everything for God, not run and hide because, oh no, a pagan may have touched it. That's what a lot of Christians want to do now. They want to hide from pagans. Anything a pagan touched or did, oh no, we can't do that. We got to go hide in our special place and make, we have to build our next safe space for Christians. 
anything a pagan touched is evil. Wow. Wow. You know, you know, I really, I was intentional on having this type of dialogue before I got into the specific festivals that I often hear because I wanted to, and please, you can feel free to jump in and elaborate on this point I'm making right now, but mm -hmm. I wanted to demonstrate that even if, even if the celebration had pagan origins, that doesn't mean that we can't like that, that doesn't mean that we can't celebrate the birth of our Lord and our Savior. You know, if it was Feb if it was March 30th, where we decide, like, you can do that on your own with your family. Hey, you know what? On this day, let's celebrate Jesus. Let's do that. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. If that, if you want to celebrate the birth of our Lord and our Savior, you know, mm -hmm. so I really wanted to demonstrate how. I think that's a frivolous argument to say that it has pagan origins. Now, if you have, if you don't have anything else that you want to specifically tackle, I wanted to get into some of the specific, um, you know, claims that I hear historically. Right. Let's get into the specific claims. I think that'd be best. Awesome. All right. Well, let's talk about the holiday of Sol Evictus. You know, that, that, that's one thing that I hear commonly uh, where it was, supposedly attributed the December 25th date now and Christians would try to and Christians would try to get their celebration in around that date so that they won't get murdered while that was going on uh what are your thoughts on right well let's get something clear for right now uh, for the Christians to set up their own special days to honor Jesus to honor Christ uh the likelihood of it coinciding with a pagan holiday would have been astronomically likely. It would have been very likely, simply for the fact that pagans had so many gods they had to worship. So they had so many different days honoring different gods. If you take Egyptian mythology, Roman mythology, Babylonian, Persian, Norse, Celtic, Greek, okay, there are a lot of gods out there. And so there are a lot of festivals to these different gods. Ironically, the Christians for, for Christmas happened to pick a day which we don't have any evidence, any pagan holiday ever landed on. It's just one of those kind of ironic facts of history that everyone accuses them of stealing a pagan holiday, when in reality, they didn't. And if they would have picked any other day, it very likely could have ended on a pagan holiday because pagans were worshiping just about every day because they had so many gods. What do you want? I mean, give the Christians a break. <laughs> it's like, so, but the, yeah, Sol Invictus typically is the most popular one people bring up because it actually, there is one source that says it was on December 25th. It's something called the Philokalian calendar. The only problem is that the Philokalian calendar dates to 354 AD. So that's post-Constantine. That's over 300 years, or that's about 300 years since the early church got started. It's very, it's, it's very far from, um, very long after, you know, since Christianity's been around. And on top of that, Sol Invictus doesn't seem to have been, always been on December 25th. So everyone accuses uh, the Emperor Aurelian in 274 AD as establishing Sol Invictus on 1225. The problem is we have no inscriptions and no evidence that says he did. In fact, the Philokalian calendar also says that Aurelian celebrated Sol Invictus in mid-October with chariot races. Wow. And he only did this every four years. So there's no evidence he ever placed it on December 25th, probably since the Philokalian calendar was written post-Constantine. Uh, pagans probably moved their celebration 
to the Christmas holiday to coincide with what the emperor and the Christians were already celebrating on. Uh, because, you know, it, the Fasti inscriptions even earlier uh, mentioned sun worship in on December 7th or in late August or early August, I think. But it's sometime in the month of August. So they were fine moving their holidays around. Uh, so, but as far as we can tell, on December 25th in Rome, there is no evidence of any pagan celebration ever being on December 25th. Ironically, this seems to be a time when there was no celebrations going on anywhere in Rome. It was between January 1st and Saturnalia, which was on December 17th. In middle time here, they didn't weren't really celebrating or doing anything. It's kind of ironic. Now, you you mentioned Constantine a couple times. I from the stuff that hits my radar when people come to me with objections, I get Sola Victus first, then the second most common is Constantine. I hear that Constantine got together at the Council of Nicaea, and then they were like, you know what, you know, let's uh, make sure everybody celebrates Christmas, and if they're not, you know, we're going to kill them, you know. What are your, what, what have you heard, what have you uncovered in your studies as it pertains to that objection? Right, that's complete nonsense, uh, because, for example, the Eastern Church doesn't even agree Christmas should be on December 25th. They celebrated in early January. So this idea that they were they forced everyone into this, you know, this absolute rule is is just ridiculous. The Western Church established it on December December 25th. The Eastern Church disagrees, thinks Christmas should be in early January. So that's complete nonsense. Uh, so yeah, they uh, they did try to get Christmas kind of established and codified into the calendar. Not everyone agreed. If you go back even earlier to Clement of Alexandria, he mentions Christians weren't really sure. Some say March, or some, some say May, some say April. He ultimately thought Jesus was born in like November, but no one was really sure. And even to this day, Christians still bicker and fight about it. So no one was really ever forced into this. If that was the case, there, we wouldn't still be debating about it today because it would have been settled 300 years ago with the edge of a sword. But again, no evidence of that. People just make this up from, from a modern misunderstanding. Now, to your, to your knowledge, though, is that when, is that the furthest that we can go back as it pertains to when we did start celebrating uh, Christmas? Right. I mean, Thomas Taylor notes that St. Augustus kind of implies that it was already, St. Augustine, for example, implies that it was being celebrated on there long before Constantine. Uh, there's a guy named Hippolytus of Rome in one of his manuscripts. He, he's writing around 280 or so. He mentions that Christmas was celebrated on December 25th. The problem is, is that there are some manuscripts of Hippolytus that don't include the date. And the one that has the date is centuries after he allegedly wrote. So it may have been an interpolation for all we know. Uh, as best as we know, it seems to date that we can firmly establish uh, Christians celebrating on December 25th at the beginning of the fourth century, uh, which is still, it, it beats the Philokalian calendar. And again, there's no evidence any pagan was celebrating Sol Invictus on December 25th prior to this time either. So it's probably likely that, uh, you know, Christians are just coming out of a persecution age. They were able to finally start setting things in stone. Their writings weren't being burned for the first time ever. And so that's why our sources tend to go back that far. I mean, we have a lot of evidence during the Diocletian persecution, which is the beginning of the fourth century. A lot of Christian documents were burned. So we lost a lot. Luckily, we still saved a lot even. So by the grace of God, we still have a, a good amount. But basically, that's the best thing we can codify in history, although there is some evidence you may go back even further. 
Now, what about the Festival of Brumilia? Are you are you familiar with that and the historicity as it pertains to that 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 that's something that Christians just stole from? <laughs> right. There's no evidence this was on December 25th. I, I mean, John Raymond, for example, in his classical World Volume 15, will note that Brumilia was celebrated from about the end of November to Saturnalia, which was December 17th. It was like this long festival. There's some partying going on, but never December 25th. So. The idea was Bromelia, that Christians would have copied Bromelia, would have been absurd. Remember what I said at the beginning about pagans celebrating all year round? I mean, Bromelia is a great example. If the Christians would have picked any day from November 24th to November to December 17th, we'd have a thousand blog posts today from conspir- conspiracy theorists talking about how they were just stealing and copying Bromelia because it just happened to land right. during the festival of Bromelia. I mean, again, give the Christians some slack. Pagans were celebrating all year round. And ironically, they, they managed to get a day <laughs> nailed out that there was no pagan celebration going on. So it's just kind of ironic. Yeah. Now, I got one more that I want to ask you about specifically, and I tend to uh, mispronounce it sometimes. Is it Saturnalia? Saturnalia. Yeah, yeah. We can talk about Saturnalia, and then there's a couple other ones people even try. But Saturnalia was a celebration of the god Saturn. And... It was tip- it originally, according to the fast inscriptions, it was about six days long, starting on December 17th. Okay. So that means it would go to December 24th. Around the days of Caligula, it shortened to five days because you know, people have to work. And then by the days of Macrobius, we're talking like fifth century or so, it's shortened to three days. But Macrobius basically says everyone stopped after December 17th. Hmm. Basically, this it was more of a celebration of role reversals. Slaves uh, could you put were given free speech. They could party and drink and eat. So it was kind of like a celebration for slaves to kind of get some freedom and participate in things they weren't normally allowed to. Uh, there was gift giving on Saturnalia, but I mean, gift giving is a tradition as old as humanity. It's, we do it on Valentine's Day, on Easter, on Christmas, Halloween, birthdays. I mean, my grandma gave us gifts on 4th of July for crying out loud. I mean, what do you want? It's just a very common thing people do just about all holidays. In fact, it used to be a really big New Year's New Year's Eve tradition that adults would exchange gifts in the uh, 1700s. And then when Christmas started to come onto the scenes, that kind of went away and people started giving gifts on Christmas instead. Wow. Now, you said that it's a couple others that people try. I named the ones that, I, that come across my radar often. Is there anything else that's just generally speaking? Right. Some people, this actually is in Encyclopedia Britannica, and I just shake my head at how an encyclopedia could get this wrong, but some people will argue that Mithra, a, god, a Persian god named Mithra, was born on December 25th. Yeah. Problem is, is, that's complete nonsense. And it is encyclopedia, and it is actually mentioned in Encyclopedia Britannica, unfortunately. So I'll get people that will send me that as a source to show, aha, look, we got you. It's clearly December 25th. Uh, the problem is, is there are no sources that mention that. There's not one source which says that he was um, born on December 25th because Mithraic uh, believers did not leave any writings behind for us. Uh, they, they, le- they, they left no writings. Basically, you have to go on secondhand sources and inscriptions. And we don't have any, any sources that say that he was um, born on December 25th. So Dr. Roger Beck in uh, Merbeckel's Mithra on page 299 notes that there's just no evidence that Mithra was ever born on December 25th. Where this idea came from is beyond me, but actual Mithraic scholars will know that's nonsense. And Encyclopedia Britannica 
just flat out gets this wrong. Mithra was not born on December 25th. In fact, there's no evidence any god was born on December 25th. Some yeah. people try Ad Addis. Addis was, they'll say, the, the Greek god Addis was, but according to the Philo Kalian calendar, he was, I, he was probably born, they believed he was born in March, or at least that's when they, his, his feast and celebrations were. It was never on December 25th either. Now, now let me let me put on my my atheist hat and push back a little bit there. See your response. Now, you say that for for the information, or at least the birthday, as it pertains to, to Mithras being a secondhand source. What if someone wanted to compare that to Luke, who who's a secondhand source, or somebody like Mark, who you know. Scholars say he got his information from Peter, but still, it's a secondhand source, and we're trusting the information that they're giving. What's the difference between that and the secondhand sources that you're speaking about as it pertains uh, to Mithra? Huge difference uh, in the fact that our secondhand sources on Mithra, they didn't care. They were skeptical. These are people writing about Mithra people. Luke uh, spent a lot of time interviewing eyewitnesses. Mark was traveling around with Peter, who was the prince of the apostles. Uh, people that are writing on Mithra are typically skeptics. People did not did not worship Mithra, so they didn't really care. And again, Luke doesn't mention the date. No one, none of even the secondhand sources mentioned that Mithra was born on twelve twenty five. I mean, so again, we just don't have any sources to confirm when his birthday was, if it was celebrated at all. For all we know, there was no celebration on or the birth of Mithra. Now, I know this wasn't the. This wasn't necessarily the goal, but, you know, you kind of started it. So I kind of want to go, I kind of want to go a bit deeper on this, if you're cool. You know, because Dionysus is a mythical Greek god that allegedly has a birthday of December 25th as well. What about the yeah. he has a None. No, no Dionysus, no Horus, no Krishna, Buddha. No one is ever born on December 25th. How do we demonstrate that? Like, how do we, how, how, why, why are we so confident? Well, uh, uh, the burden is on the person making the claim. If you want to tell me Dionysus was born on 1225, what's your source? You just can't say that and expect me just to believe it. I mean, you got to give me a source. Ironically, there seems to be, a, they're proud, there may have actually been some copying going the other way around with Dionysus. Because we have late sources third and fourth century to talk about Dionysus turning water into wine. Uh, that seems to maybe have been coming from the Christians because that doesn't come till long after Christianity has been established and has been spreading. Dionysus is the God of wine. We know that pagans were trying to copy the Christians in some way because they came up with Apollonius of Tyana, which most scholars accept is kind of a pagan version of Christ. Adonis may even have borrowed a little bit from Christianity in some ways. Um, later on, Zoroastrianism did as well. Uh, the Norse did when they invented Balder and Loki. Those seem to be Norse versions of Jesus and uh, Lucifer. So it's likely Dionysus turning water into wine could have been a, a way to get sort of like these Christian stories into paganism. So that could be going the other way around. But again, nothing on December 25th. They were copying. They didn't even try to do that. You know, I actually want to elaborate to your point real quick. Uh, you know, actually what I was trying to get out of you was that, A, people who make those claims, they almost never cite, well, I, I've never heard them cite sources. You know, usually I'm the one who might say actual sources. You know, like you mentioned Isis Osiris. You know, I might mention the Egyptian Book of the Dead. A lot of times I've never even heard of that. You know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, read it or see what scholars say about that. You know, yeah. 
sometimes people just see a meme or just hear something on the internet and just repeat it. And they repeat it confidently. And unfortunately, us Christians who aren't well studied in this particular uh, field, you know, we can't push back boldly because you know we haven't done the research but when you do the research you see like that like you're like you see how when i ask you and it's almost like i, I know you're not doing that at me you're doing it at the claim it's like why are you even asking this like because it's a laughable it really is it's a laughable claim you know it but is. fortunately we have to take it serious because it, because people do have their faith actually get rocks but it's one thing that i want to point out is that a people who made that claim they never cite sources because if they did cite sources then they would also demonstrate that the that the similarities are widely exaggerated like wildly exaggerated you know the i forget the story of isis osiris and horus off the top of my head i have a video about it to be honest with you i, I forget it off the top of my head but it's not a virgin birth. it's not a virgin birth it's not a resurrection as as described how jesus's story is described it's just it's just not the same it's, it's just not right Ironically, I did have someone give me a source one time when they claimed Horus was resurrected. They said, it's in the Egyptian Book of the Dead. So oh, I said to them, I said, really? Because I've read the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Here's an online version. Why don't you show me where it is? Silence. Yeah. They couldn't because they, they know it's not in there. They were just, they, I called their bluff and they, they ran away. But typical. Yeah, he wasn't expecting you to have, have ever heard of it. You know? No. They never <laughs> That's did. all that was. It's kind of funny when I, that happens. But yeah, they, they, you got to call their bluff half the time. Yeah. Now, is it anything as it pertains to, you know, the the Christmas holiday? Is it anything that we probably didn't cover that you do think is worth mentioning or maybe we just brushed over it, but you think it's worth giving some emphasis? The only other holiday I'd mention is the Norse holiday of Yule, which was celebrated in Scandinavia, typically with a human sacrifice and giant fires and a feast in the temple. Uh, some will say that Christmas borrowed the date from Yule. Uh, the problem is we have an early source. His name is Snorri Sturluson, and he says that King Hyakon put Yule on December 25th to coincide with the Christmas celebration. So it's the other way around. Yule jumped on December 25th because of Christmas. So it's not so people think, oh, Yule's on December 25th. That's where Christmas came from. Well, no, it's the other way around. Yule was celebrated before Christians ever made it to Scandinavia, but they didn't put it on December 25th until Christian missionaries had them do it. Wow. Wow. Now, I, we don't, I, I'm not going to start this next question now, but I would love to, especially because Resurrection Sunday, a.k.a. Easter Sunday, um, will be coming around in a couple months. You know, I'd love to do a brief show with you as it pertains to, as it pertains to that, you know, when it gets yeah. that holiday. You know, I, I typically like to do presentations solely on the resurrection you know solely on the resurrection you know uh if anybody's watching jim warner wallace and his code case christianity has a wonderful presentation on that you know if you youtube code case resurrection that's a great one but around easter time around resurrection sunday time that's obviously something that gets attacked and you know and if michael's available you know hopefully we can have him on and we can talk about the historicity as it pertains to that as well sure now, I told you I didn't want to um, get you past a certain time, and we're getting close to that, you know? So mm -hmm. I asked you the questions that I wanted to ask you as it pertains to this subject, 
as Christmas is not pagan. And mm -hmm. even if it did have pagan origins, we can still celebrate Christmas. We can still, we can still um, opt to, to celebrate the birth of our Lord and our Savior. Because if he was never born, he would have never been able to die. And I thank God that he did because after he died, he got up. Let me stop before I start preaching. Amen. You know? <laughs> but yeah, y'all. So be sure to check this out. I know Christmas, I know Christmas has already passed. But again, this is an objection that comes up. Time and time again, it comes up every year. It's almost like it's a religion by a certain groups to just debunk Christmas. And you know what I mean? Like like every November, December, it's like, I, I don't even, like I don't hear things about other holidays for the most part. For the most part, I really just hear Easter and Christmas. And when I was a, and when I was an agnostic non-believer, that was the case. Like, I just felt mm -hmm. like a whole lot of attention from people who don't celebrate Christmas, trying to persuade people from celebrating Christmas. And it's like, my thing is, why do you even care? Like, why not just stay home and not celebrate it if you don't want to celebrate it, <laughs> you know? But right. Yeah. But anyway, y'all, yeah. so where can people follow you and where can people check out your page, Mike? Uh, they can follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash inspiring philosophy. Um, YouTube is where I do most of my work. I post videos on there. Uh, so youtube.com slash inspiring philosophy. I'm getting my website redone, which will be inspiringphilosophy.org. Uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash inspiring philosophy. So those are the best places people can follow me. Uh, so that's basically what I, I do. I, I'm trying to build different videos to answer different apologetic questions. This year I'm going to start a series on Old Testament archaeology. And I'm going to do a series on Genesis 1 through 11, talking about it in, in its ancient Near Eastern context. So I hope to start that pretty soon. That's awesome, man. I'll, I'll definitely be um, tuning in. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'll definitely be tuning in, man. I'm looking forward to staying in touch with you, my brother. And for everybody else who's watching, understand that we are on Is He A Real One Radio. Is he a real one? Yes, he is. He is God, and the he we're talking about is Jesus. A, 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 B. All right, my brother. So, I appreciate you. I thank you.